0: based on profession or, you know, common interests, like hunting or, you know, uh, playing poker. Um, and, and that happened. With the internet, you know, we can literally say, hey, who, is, who else is passionate about startups and Bitcoin? Oh, and you know, you you like hockey. And boom, you have 50,000 people around the world that are building startups, investing in Bitcoin and watching hockey every Saturday night. Um, you, you get to meet those friends. Perfect.
1: Uh, Vadim, welcome to the podcast. How you doing?
0: Ravi, thank you for having me. It's my pleasure.
1: So this is kind of unique because uh, you're a fellow podcaster yourself, I discovered. Um, you discovered. Know, generally, when uh, people come on our podcast, it's is generally their first or very few they have done. So it's kind of cool having a fellow podcaster on. Um, can you tell us a little bit about yourself?
0: Yeah, absolutely. And first of all, I want to say and, you know, we spoke a little bit before this, I appreciate what you're doing. I respect what you're doing. I think, you know, spotlighting other entrepreneurs is such an amazing way to, you know, get to know them better. Um, A little bit about myself. I am based out of Toronto. I'm a legal tech entrepreneur. Um, I'm currently building the future of incorporation in Canada. And genuinely, I've been involved with the startup community, you know, for the past seven plus years failed a lot, learned even more, and more recently, you know, sort of decided to start this company uh, uh, to sort of, you know, um, really bring technology to an industry that's been, you know, the legal industry that's been outdated, and antiquated for so long, it's just, you know, uh, uh, bleeds my heart that a lot of people are overpaying for something that is so simple as incorporation. So we'd love to tell you more about that uh, later during this episode.
1: Yeah, so I me mean, going going back to that, um, you know, part of your bio is you know you you were previously on Bay Street, you left for a prop tech company, uh, to 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 found a company. Um, what are you currently working on?
0: Yeah, so that, you know I'm currently working on the legal tech, and I guess before I get to that, like maybe I'll just take you know a couple of steps back and sort of, you know, share a little bit about where, you know how I started. So, you know, I came to Canada when I was seventeen. I'm 24 now. Um, I spoke very little English. I immigrated from Eastern Europe. Um, I taught myself how to speak English by watching YouTube videos and reading books. And then, um, you know, I ended up graduating from school, went to work in finance made my parents really, really proud, but that wasn't really sitting well with me because I wasn't genuinely happy doing that. Right? Like, it's kind of like those golden handcuffs where you, know, you get the biweekly paycheck and you're sort of set for life because you know, when you work on wealth management or investment management, you, you have a really bright career future for yourself. But it wasn't appealing to me on the same level as say entrepreneurship was. I looked around, I saw Mark Zuckerbergs, I saw you know, founders of WeWork and Uber and Airbnb, and everybody was changing the world. And all I was doing was filling out Excel spreadsheets uh, for investors and rich people and make rich people richer. <laughs> so I decided, you know what, let me take a leap. Um, so, and, and, and I, essentially what happened was I, the moment I realized I don't wanna do this anymore, I announced my resignation, I taught myself how to code. And my first ever startup that you asked about was actually PropTech. Uh, startup that connected uh, uh, real estate properties on the commercial side, so office, industrial, retail, um, with small, uh, uh, small size uh, uh, um, uh, tenants. Um, and the reason for that was very you know, economically related to the way how brokers are compensated. You get dollar per square foot per year. And when you're talking mm-hmm. about leasing a very tiny office somewhere in the basement of an office building, a lot of brokers just weren't interested in spending weeks and weeks to kind of push that deal through the finish line. So what we did, we created a marketplace, an Airbnb for office spaces. Um, And that's how I got my start in the tech space. I knew absolutely nothing about entrepreneurship other than, you know, that you have to create something that adds value and then hope to capture some of that value in the form of revenue that I knew. And I didn't know how to code. So I had to teach myself how to code. And we actually, you know, I was lucky enough to have a co-founder that was my fellow uh, uh, friend from college. We went to college together. We never really studied. We spent most of our time uh, uh, trading stocks in the library and just showing up to final exams, which was fun. Um, but reconnected with him several years later and just said, yeah, you know, him at that time, he already was involved in some entrepreneurial ventures with his family. And I, I was also kind of, you know, I had that seed in my head back to the inception analogy, like, you know, it was already there. I just needed the right push. And finally, he kind of told me about his exciting story. And I said, listen, it seems like I'm missing out. I want to do the same thing. So we decided to do the prop tech. Mm,
1: fascinating. So, I mean. Oh, I kind of lost you here for a bit. Can you see me? Yeah,
0: yeah. No, everything's good. Yeah. Vadim? Yeah.
1: Yeah, sorry. So, we're having some connectivity issues. Um, you know, the internet quality has really been really been bad the last, uh, this, this past week. But um, uh, I think we're still recording here. But uh, yeah, Vadim, going back to that, you gives a few elements to break down. You know, like this, uh, unsi- being unsatisfied in this great role in finance that your family was so proud of you and leaving that, uh, I think there's a testament that a, a lot of uh, entrepreneurs find, right? They find themselves in these situations where they have hit every goal, every milestone, and yet they're not fulfilled, right? Can you talk a little bit more about, um, the, the, about that, about um, uh, the, the, the idea of entrepreneurship? What gap did it fill in your life that, uh, you know, a, a stable job didn't?
0: You know, I think, uh, Ravi, for a lot of people like ourselves, you know, we... We grow up trying to please other people, you know, make our parents proud of us. We are um, Mm -hmm. ingrained, you know, our society and our environment basically dictates what we should be celebrating and the kinds of, you know, career uh, paths and achievements we should be picking. Uh, A really good example would be to talk about any Eastern European or Middle Eastern or, you know, Asian family where essentially your parents want you to be an engineer, doctor or lawyer. That's no secret. For us, it was a very similar path where we also wanted to get embedded in finance and, you know, my parents wanted for me to be financially secure. But the moment I landed my feet, you know, on the Canadian soil, I realized there is more to thrive towards. Sure, there is, you know, security of a paycheck. But the moment you get to that point, you're sort of thinking, what's next? What's the that other challenge that, you know, you want to take on? Um, and, and to me, it wasn't about keeping the job and just keep doing the same thing. It was about discovery. It was about learning new skills. My brain always went into different directions. Ooh, what can you know? What, what if I can code? Or, you know, what can I teach myself how to invest? Or what can I, you know, it, it, what if, what if? My brain always kept asking. And I find that this is like a common thre- thread among entrepreneurs. is the natural born curiosity. You know, they, they don't get to where they are today because you know um their families forced them to be or their economic situation forced them to be they get to start businesses because they're curious about things that could could be done differently or why the status quo has been the way it, it's it's always been for the past you know se- several years um and so you know what really wasn't satisfied satisfiable for me in my you know work environment is that ceiling i knew no matter how hard I, i'm going to work i'm still going to stay in the same uh uh, uh in the same level i'm still going to sort of you know uh, uh, you know stay in this lane and just keep growing within that same lane for me the unknown the 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 you know uh, the environment where there is no rules the scenario where I get to chart my own journey and my own destiny that 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 really appealed to me more so to kind of answer your question by summarizing in a couple of words Hmm. the uncertainty and ability to chart my own future uh, instead of following the existing playbook and and just you know playing within certain rules um, that was really a big difference for me
1: I love that. I love that a lot because I think, um, I mean, it's not talked about enough, right? The the willingness to go out and like, you know, be, uh, take to take life on your own and and uh, and solve challenges. You know, like it's like I kind of take it akin to like almost like hunting. You know, like uh-huh. you're kind of going into the into the wilderness to kind of like prove you can prove to yourself you can survive. Uh, have you ever watched the the show Vikings?
0: No, but yeah, I heard it's I really it's, uh, good. It was on
1: Netflix for a while.
0: Yeah, I think it's
1: still one of the so top shows. In Vikings, yeah. yeah so in Vikings, uh, you know, Vikings are probably one of the most entrepreneurial cultures. Uh, the way they uh, raid, you know, coastal villages, and the way they work together in groups, it's like it's very entrepreneurial. Like people come together and like do these like ventures, which was raiding and, and stealing from other people, but like was considered venture. And, like everyone kind of came together, did this task together, and then divide the spoils together. And one of the th- uh, really cool things about that culture is like you know um, th- you know th- there's this uh, one character. He went off into the woods by himself in the middle of the, in a complete wilderness uh, for a year. He has to prove to himself that he can Right. And uh, I was remembering, uh, I was, I was looking at this uh, reading, um, um, uh, not reading, but like I was listening to the 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 author of Rich Dad Poor Dad, uh, yeah. who talked about this, right? Like how salaries kind of trap you um, yeah. because. Employees. If you look at like the ecosystem that is our 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 economy, employees are the most secure members of our economy. Uh, legally, the most protected. Even if a company goes in insolvency, uh, the shareholders are legally obligated to make sure the employees get paid, and they can go to jail, pay penalties, uh, and, and the directors can go go to jail and pay penalties if uh, the employees do not get paid first. Like you're, you're legally obligated to make sure the employees are taken care of. So, by being an employee, you're part of this protected class, you know, of uh, people that are the system is taking care of you. But again, it's setting the rules for you, setting where your, uh, you know, how much of your money is going into, uh, into um, you know, taxes is, is it already preset. How much of your money is going into uh, investments? How much of your money is going into insurance? Like, it's like all, all these things are already tabulated and, and done for you. So it, it's like it puts you in like a ease situation. Yeah. And it used to be like, you know, people would work like 30, 40 years at a company or a government job, the safe uh-huh. job. That's the ideal thing. And the system just takes care of you. And yeah. all you got to do is show up every day. Yeah. Right. And it's like, but like, again, like uh, the the like, if you look at the other class of people who are like the people who are out there building, right, there are there are uh, small, uh, small business owners. Uh, they're the investor class who uses money itself as like a vehicle to make uh, make uh, make returns. Right. And then there's people who run an own uh, enterprises, right? Large businesses yeah. that are like, you know, uh, uh, cash flow machines. And within the ecosystem, right, the people who are the employees are like the sheep, like almost, right? Like are taken care of, like you're being farmed by the system, right? When you exit that, like you can almost become uh, almost like a Viking, like leaving that kind of that kind of safety nest and going out to explore what you can build for yourself.
0: Yeah. And some people are not comfortable with that too, right? Like they, you know, if you, back to your point, if you spend 40 years in the institution, um, and I think in Japan, it was actually unheard of for a person to leave a company. Can you believe that? So you would graduate and you would work in the same company your entire life and that was considered honorable, right thing to do in Japan. Uh, And of course things have changed since then, but you know, 50, 100 years ago, that was the way things were. Um, And so imagine yourself, losing a job imagine because you know we think about this as a very safe protective environment but let's not forget there is crises there is you know recessions you know even recent experience with COVID I'm sure a lot you know I'm, I'm obviously sympathetic but I'm sure you've heard about a lot of your close friends or connections or even just about people getting laid off and that really proven to us that the system isn't safe it really proven that even if we commit years and years of our life and 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 skill set to you know certain company doesn't guarantee that we're going to have that job tomorrow to me and i really think that entrepreneurship is undervalued in this way i i think entrepreneurship is overvalued in many ways right um but i think the way it's been undervalued is really from a position of risk and how much of this risk that a person needs to take, you know, uh, whether that's sweat equity or putting real cash into a business before you see any results. I mean, I can speak about this uh, s- uh, scenario from my own experience. I'm building a business right now. First of all, I've been doing this for seven years. Second of all, I'm building this business right now. I mean, I've been working on it for, two, for, for, for at least a year and a half. And the first year, I didn't even have a single client. And that's not because I wasn't a good entrepreneur or because you know, uh, it was too complex to develop or whatever. It just takes a very long time to research and understand and have conversations, and and there is a lot that goes into creating you know companies that uh, that we know of that are unicorns, right? First couple of years it stay, it's it's flat, and then all mm-hmm. of a sudden we see we you know we, we see them taking off the uh, the proverbial hockey stick. Well, for you to get to hockey stick, and, and really the hockey sticks are being celebrated, but we're not celebrating the grit and perseverance and, 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 and the risk that a lot of people are taking uh, when there's no results coming in. It's very easy to show up to the job or show up to, uh, to a company that's doing fantastically well, and you continue pushing that machine forward. It's very hard to uh, force yourself to show up one more day, one more day, one more day, when you've done so much for so long and nothing came out of it, and I think that's what a lot of entrepreneurs are not being uh, celebrated for enough.
1: Hmm. Yeah. I mean. So what do you what do you think the solution to that is? How do we celebrate that?
0: Well, I think it's about educating people. You know, first of all, when you're starting out a company, uh, I, I think a lot of people don't know what they're getting themselves into. Entrepreneurship is not this Sort of like I have an idea, I'm gonna raise five million dollars, and everybody's gonna celebrate me, right? Um, having that mentality uh, uh, just means that you spend more time on you know tech crunch and crunch base, and and all the you know in Canada we have beta kit, but you know it just means that you're getting exposed to all the successes and no failures. I think we should really celebrate failures, and we should really be uh, 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 transparent about you know before you know Travis Kalanick. Ended up building Uber. He failed many times some, you know some some really ridiculous ideas, um, uh, and and that came to nothing. You know before you know like I, I don't know Elon Musk. You know in businesses that he's been building. You know we know him for SpaceX and Tesla, uh, and to a certain degree for PayPal. But you know before that he couldn't even get a job, right? And so like there, there's a lot of things that precede um, uh, 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 success, and I and I and I really truly believe that having a podcast for example and you're talking to a lot of founders that's great you're eliminating that uh, environment where founders can come on and say well ravi this is my fifth startup my first four startup didn't get anywhere and i'm still here i'm still building and mm-hmm. now it's finally working out it's the same story i have i've been you know doing this for seven years and you know my previous ventures didn't really come to as much success as i wanted them to be but it's you know still in the game still playing still working hard and finally it's coming to something I, I would really would love to put all the and this is just my you know my my selfish dream and I don't know if somebody's got enough, you know, cloud maybe you do, right, to kinda of make that happen. But you know, really to interview the most successful entrepreneurs out there, the you know, uh, Michael Cutchins of Wealth Simple and, and you know, Andrews D'Souza from Clearbank and, and just say, Hey, let's 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 shelf your successes for a little while because those are very public and very uh 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 known to the society let's talk about the first 10 years okay tell me about your failures and i would love for that conversation to happen uh like i said i don't know who's who might mm. be able to pull this off but that that to me is worth a lot of you know a lot of money and like i, I would watch that i would watch that i would subscribe to that I, w- I would love to see where people like you know where people that are succeeding right now have failed you know before because that to me just shows that they're human it shows me that you know there is no such thing as a perfect entrepreneur a natural born entrepreneur you sort of figure out your way and there's mistakes involved and i don't think we talk a lot about mistakes and you know when you're in school and you get you know bad grades and your parents are slamming you for bad grades i was slammed for having bad grades and, and i couldn't go out play with kids because i had to study uh, but ingraining in somebody's head that failure is part of your journey to success is so much more powerful and so much more enabling in the long term.
1: Hmm. Uh, I love what exactly what you said there. Like you know, um, especially with celebrating failures, uh, like um, I, I'm all about that too. Like I, w- I would love to bring in, um, like uh, like you know, established entrepreneurs. Like, cool. But where did you fail at? Where were you bad at? Where did you have to learn from? Um, but more than that, like I love talking to people who are in the build, right? So that's why, like uh, most of our, our, our podcast guests, generally we have from uh, we have, we we go across all across. We're agnostic to the industry, we're agnostic to your size, all that. But generally, we target like early stage founders, people are in the grind, in the mix, building things. Um, and it's been interesting, you know, of like the, the hundred plus episodes we've done, uh, three companies um, have done real have grown in the last last two years. One company. It's now a $100 million company. Another company, two other companies are a $20 million company, right? And we saw the entrepreneurs on the ground level while they were building this, right, through the, because of the podcast. And the way, um, I mean, uh, you know, but even the, the way you kind of put it is like that fascination with seeing the grind, the process. The way I see it is like, if we're talking to enough early stage founders, well, as they develop and grow, we're going to see that, right? Like just, just playing the odds. Uh, by talking to company, by talking to founders, um, you know, coming uh, and, and doing, and solving these really cool, interesting problems and challenges, um, you know, uh, we get to pick and choose uh, who who comes on the episodes. But really, uh, what we're really looking for is people in that grind and that mix who are who are like, knows uh, the like, you know, knows the wall, trying to figure out how to make how to make solutions in the in the problem they're trying to fix.
0: Yeah, and to be honest with you, um, when you're taking advice from somebody who's already successful, it's, it's not necessarily. it's it's very motivational but it's not necessarily helpful because somebody who's got 20 million dollars in the bank and massive connections and rolodex and went to yale and you know graduated to top of their class and their professor who actually hangs out with you know um, uh, jeff bezos now became your angel investor in your network, that that's very different from you know say a scrappy kid from college that couldn't afford to go to a top tier school end up graduating maybe you know one year ahead of the time. Time because just had to compress his tuition time so he can start working um and now building a company and then I say hey tell me about how it is how it is how's is it going you know it's been maybe six months maybe it's been a year I would love to know those kinds of conversations are so much more valuable to somebody who's in the grind right now building a business um it's very easy to sort of like connect the dots looking back it's very hard to sort of you know uh say if my business is gonna work out next year or your business is gonna work out next year so I love the mindsets I love talking to people and it's not necessarily the the decisions that they make the actions but it's sort of like why the the uh the, the, the the way they come to these decisions that really excites me I could spend days and weeks and i'm sure you, you know you know about clubhouse but you know even before clubhouse or zoom and startup uh uh, uh meetup.com and you know, all these communities where what, what i really loved is just meeting under other, other entrepreneurs that are in the same shoes and then talking about the same challenges and see how different people are solving these challenges i think that's that's really powerful um creating a support group even if it's like a you know peer network not necessarily a mentorship circle but maybe just people that are Sort of in the same shoes, and you can share tactics and resources and news. And you know, I've tried this, I've sent out cold emails and didn't work, but I did some marketing and you know, social media blew up. And I got like just having these conversations, just so much more powerful than you know, listening to. And again, nothing against these successful people, you know, hearing about somebody's raising round D, you know, at the billion dollar valuation doesn't help me you know, a startup with one client and, 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 you know, me doing all the work to sort of, like, there's nothing for me to learn from that, right? Um, I, I, I I enjoy talking to people. Uh, I would love to actually ask you, you know, what are some of the things that, maybe this is just a selfish question, because I, I also would love to learn from you, but, you know, you've done about 140 plus episodes. Uh, what are you seeing? What are some of the common threads that, you know, you kind of see uh, that people have, whether that's character traits or, you know, personality traits or or just the kinds of, you know, things that they've done with their businesses, maybe like hustle. I, I don't know what it is, man, but I would love to know, like, for those companies that went from zero to 200 million, 100 million, you've mentioned a couple of them, like, what what was that in that early conversation between you and them that was like, Wait a minute! This guy is onto something, or this gal is onto something. Like, have you ever? Do, do you ever feel that way when you talk to them, or is it still not clear whether they're actually going somewhere?
1: So, the the main thing, the main theme that I, I pick up off of everyone that has come to the episodes, and can't come on, is hunger, right? Um, it can be different industries uh, at different levels, uh, different age groups, all these things, but they have this instinctual hunger in them for something, right? Um, I mean, for each of them, the motive, the, the hunger could be different, right? The different outcomes and not all. And what I realize is not all of them, it's the outcome is money. Like they see it, the profits is definitely a motive, uh, but it's not the imperative. It's something extra to that, right? Like. And, uh, and like this, uh, you know, like, like, uh, by the enterprise they're doing is like, almost like a vehicle towards solving that hunger, that personal hunger, right. That they, they've attached to a, a larger problem. Um, it's, it's really interesting to say that cause, uh, you know, we were just talking about this uh, earlier about this, like this, this idea of like, what is the most, what is a common thread about, among entrepreneurs, right? Like what, what sets them apart? And what what uh, makes someone an entrepreneur? Because I, I think the statistic is like only 10% of the population is like entrepreneurial minded, mm-hmm. and I think that blows my mind. Because being in the innovation industry, we meet so many people from so many different walks of life who are you know taking these risks and doing these things. But um, you know it goes back to old questions: Are entrepreneurs born or entrepreneurs made? Mm. Uh, I I personally think the answer is both. Uh, some people are predetermined; they're gonna they're gonna go out and do it. They become independent no matter what. Other people, you know, they see a vantage point and they see an opportunity and they have the skills and resources and they make that leap, right? But, you know, only because they're at the they see the opportune uh, opportunity and they have uh, established themselves at a certain level uh, of skills, of knowledge, of network, uh, they have something, right? So, um, one of the things that we ask uh, on our episodes is we actually measure a, a spectrum. Uh, mm-hmm. We see entrepreneurs fit into two, into, into two camps in and in a spectrum. One uh, one is the, is the visionary types and others are the executive types, right? It. The visionaries are the ones that see like, you know, the, the, the hallowed mountaintop, right? They, mm-hmm. They're like haunted by this vision of a, of a world that could be, uh, you know, with the solution in, in problem. right? And regardless of where they go, they always see this mountaintop and they're drawn to this idea. Like they gotta do it, they gotta do it. And, uh, you know, and that vision is what drives them forward, right, they're, and the, they keep climbing the mountain no matter what. And the other level, uh, another side of the scale is the, um, the executive type of entrepreneur, right? person who has gone and developed some great skill knowledge or network in some particular area so when the legal field became a lawyer understood how the legal system works saw a strategic blank that's missing and said oh technology can really solve this problem here or uh, a company can you know a product or service or a process automation can can really ha- solve this problem here and is making that leap but as first like establish themselves with deep knowledge and deep networks and uh, deep understandings uh, and because they have that, they can see a strategic blank, and and they can operate underneath that. So there's really this this, this spectrum, and everyone kind of falls in between somewhere here. Mm-hmm. And technically, like a good company should have people with a mix of these talents, right? Uh, if there's a visionary, uh, you know, in in, uh, in our company, you know, me and my co-founder, we call ourselves the hustler versus the hacker, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. So me, I'm objective oriented. I'm like I'm like, how's this gonna make us money? How's this gonna give us resources? How's this gonna feed us moving forward? I'm thinking about ROIs. I'm thinking about, yeah, let's, if we're going to uh, jump out of, out of this uh, plane and build air, uh, a parachute on the way down, but I'm going to pre-order that parachute. You know? <laughs> I'm going to get some pre-orders for that parachute. <laughs> yeah. And you know, that's, a, that's the way I think about it. Uh, whereas the hacker mentality, my co-founder Henry, he's more like, let's build this thing. Right? How's it going to really work? How's it going to bring value? Let's build it, and then we'll find people for it. And this dynamo of going back and forth uh, really pushes us forward right? Uh, and, uh, you know, I, I used to challenge this notion a lot that great companies are built with two or more uh, founders, two to three founders. And it, they used to, they used to be like a, a idea behind being, it's being safer. If it happens to one, something happens to one person, all the other persons there for the company, yada, yada, that's more shareholder stuff. But really it's about doing the build side of things, right? Because there's so many different complications, so many different things happening. And even like personal energies and so much like so much dependence on, on the on the individual level of a company being birthed out that um, having a good co-founder i think is one of the most principally important things uh, especially when you when you uh you know counterbalance each other on that spectrum of skills
0: yeah you know i had goosebumps here when you were talking about the spectrum because i 100 percent agree with you in terms of ideation versus execution i think we're sort of talking about the same thing but you know which one is more important you know, and, and, I, and I keep coming back to it because you, you said something really interesting there. You said um, 10% of people on, in this world are, you know, um, have the entrepreneurial tendencies or have the entrepreneurial sort of vision, but even less people actually end up succeeding. So the, the question is, what is the component that's missing that, you know, that those 10, 10%, 10% why, why does 10% go down to say 2% or 1% or even 0.01% um, in this world? And I think the answer is really execution. I, as you were talking, I, I sort of just said to myself, you know, you, sometimes you have the idea, but you kind of need to get off the, you know, the, the couch and kind of get going and do it. Uh, I got a lot of admiration for small businesses for one specific reason. The, the, the vision usually is not, not that different from a, a very close competitor. One restaurant has very little variation from like a visionary or vision uh perspective from another restaurant uh especially if they're both selling thai food you know one insurance provider may have better mobile experience and and sure they might have that vision of being mobile first but at the end of the day they're offering a commodity product which is insurance i can keep going and going but the reason why you know you got the rockefellers and you got you know jp morgan's and all you know kinds of people like that that built empires uh in the old world and then translated that into oil and 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 railway and you know uh uh manufacturing empires in the new worlds in the new world here in you know canada north america the us uh, is because these people just had the execution, and they and they they saw the opportunity, but they also realized they need capital, they need resources, they need people. Um, I, I can never build a an oil empire uh, that you know Royal dot Shell built uh, decades ago because I just I have the vision, mm. but can I do it? You know what I mean, right? So like I I really think that both yep. is the good answer, having both. Um, but, and you're right about the spectrum, it's never either or. I like the spectrum analogy. Um, I found through my personal experience that execution sometimes tends to matter more than ideation. Um, and I'm very similar to you, Ravi, I, I'm the kind of person that has, you know, the spreadsheets and flowcharts and to-do lists, and I, I'm, I, I need to plan, I need to figure this out, I, I need to sit down and figure out how is this going to work, where is this going to come from, who's going to use this, what, you know, why are we, what, you know, what's so different between us and, and, and the other person, and like, how can we realistically, you know, achieve what we want, can we achieve what we want, uh, given the constrained resources, I'm a product person, that, you know, that, that these are the kinds of questions that I always ask. Uh, about the products, um, but the the success really I feel like you know you you got your vision you figured out what you want to do but then you need to grind and you need to grind and, I, and I've seen and I don't remember if it was a, a crunch Crunchbase or one of those sources and they had these like math calculation um, uh, and it basically said you know, a, a amazing idea, poor execution equals zero, right? And it's kind of like, like a scale. It's like, you know, uh, amazing idea, no execution. It's like, you know, great idea and okay execution. And then it's like great execution, okay idea. And then amazing execution, terrible idea. And they have these like four, four different like combinations of it, right? And, and I think the, the biggest numbers usually come out on where the execution really drives the whole thing. So you can have a terrible idea, and execute it tremendously well and you're still gonna have an amazing business, a very successful business. You can have a little bit of a vision and, and have a you know 75% of the execution department, you can really, literally crush the world. Right? Like you, you can do whatever you want. But if you have zero execution, no matter how brilliant your idea is, no matter how much of a vision, how big of a mountaintop you're seeing, you know, back to the analogy with the Royal dot Shell, like there is no way I can build something like that today, and that's because I'm not set for that. Um, I, I i might be set for something else um, you know an idea within my realm of expertise that i can sort of you know come in and, and make the difference but you know execution matters um, so
1: hmm i love this like uh, you know I, I love the 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 transparency you're, you're talking about here because i think that's that, that's also another concept that i, I found really interesting with uh, people trying to solve hard problems right mm-hmm. uh, innovators is that Surprisingly, it's a, one of the things that's really surprised me is that people are super transparent with their thoughts and their ideas and their hopes and um, really, really what they want to build, right? Like when, when you engage like an entrepreneur and in, in true honest discussion about what they're doing, they're so they're so open, to open up. Like it's almost like someone talking about their their child or like mm-hmm. their pet, mm-hmm. right? Like people talk about their business with this such pride and passion. And people are willing to open up about it. And what I'm really interested in about it is, like, especially through podcasting and through other forms of media, you know, transparency is become easier. It's easier to get your story out. And especially as we move to a world uh, where we're more uh, we're more centered around subjective truths rather than objective truths, you know, like we no longer have like a media corp. That uh, projects itself as the absolute source of all news and information and uh, of truth anymore, right? We don't, we don't have these centralized agencies of truth anymore. Like the internet has kind of, kind of segmented us into, uh, you know, almost like uh, into into more social followers, right? We we have these uh, we have influence circles that we are into, and where uh, we're, uh, like the algorithms have pushed us into, and we get our source of truths from them, and in the in such a subjective world. I think it's so super important to be transparent about your objectives and values. And I think that's what podcasting really gives a a voice to and power to, right? So you get to, you get to cultivate an audience, you get to cultivate a community based off of a shared set of values. And all you have to do is communicate them transparently. This is what I believe in This is what I want to do. uh, This is uh, what I want to achieve. And if you're, if you're clear and consistent with it, you can build this tribe now uh, pretty, pretty, pretty easily and effectively. Because social media platforms are literally like, uh, uh, you know, the algorithms will literally like set you up and queue you up. They'll profile you and find other people who believe in this kind of stuff and project, put your imaging, uh, put your messaging out there. You can, you can find your tribe easy to, uh, easier now than ever. You can build a tribe even better than ever before. So the, I think this idea is that we're becoming more and more tribal as, uh, as, as we become more into the internet. Um, I, I love this idea by Naval Ravikant. Uh, the internet is making us uh, uh, regressing us culturally, and I see it. Right? We're finding these digital tribes, digital identities online, and we have our shared set of values as developing groups. So I think soon we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna transfer more into like these colonies of people who like build projects and do things virtually online with people that they share have shared values with. Uh, I know so many founders of so many companies who have hired and working people across the world who they have never met for the past year. Yeah. You know they're scaling, they're operating, and they're hiring people, and they're meeting people, They're they're hiring and, and depending on people to work on this high growth company or this the startup, and with the venture backed uh, capital. But they have never met them. <laughs> you know, and it's happening more and more and more. So I think we're becoming more and more intertwined into this, into this digital into the digital world. And how do we uh, uh, how do we blend and how do we operate in that? I think it's about you know operating under a shared set of values.
0: You know, I think you're so right. Uh, the internet is making us able to find each other, discover each other. We are we started off with you know sitting around campfires and and really have no choice who we tend to hang out with we had one tribe you know 50 people they're all sitting around you know they all have responsibilities but there's no way for me to say you know i don't like you i, you know, I, I want to go to another tribe i want to find more friends there and then all of a sudden we built you know cities and towns and and, and electricity came about and we could travel and we could you know you know move from town to town we can find our uh calling we can make friends you know based on profession or you know common interests like hunting or you know uh playing poker um and and that happened with the internet you know we can Literally say, hey, who, is, who else is passionate about startups and Bitcoin? Oh, and you know, you, you like hockey. And boom, you have 50,000 people around the world that are building startups, investing in Bitcoin and watching hockey every Saturday night. Um, you, you get to meet those friends. Um, but don't forget and, and, and see you know see what I've done there. It's always been tribal, right? We've started there. We've progressed that same way. We've always been that way. And technology really hasn't changed anything other than it gave us more people, more um, uh, uh, dots and connections to sort of establish. Uh, it gave us better ways to filter and refine our network. We can now pick and choose who we want to connect with, who we want to hang out with. We know there's always more people to meet. We have literally unlimited number of people in our networks now with social media and, you know, everything that's going on, um, but it's still the same, you know, bonding principle. You've got people that support you. You support them. Um, I argue that, you know, right now my circle is more tight than ever. Even though I know more people than I've ever known, my circle, mm-hmm. my my actual circle of people that I trust and go for, advi- for advice to, and people that I can work with, and people that I will take, you know, guidance from, is smaller than ever. And this is because trust and being able to really know that person is way more important than now that it's ever been. I I think that you know the currency in the digital world and why you know. What you were talking about everything is you know subjective and you know everything is subjective but but the person that you really anchor towards either on social media or when you're building a business is the person that you can trust because again we don't have time to uh mm. research and identify every person in our network so we default towards our animalistic sort of like you know uh reactions which is fight or flight do i trust Do you like this person or 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 am i Are they sending mixed signals and I'm not sure where this is going uh, or do I completely dislike them and I never want to talk like I'm just going to stay away from them and and, and, you know, whatever it is. Um, In the world where everything moves so fast, we don't have much time to figure out if we if we if we want to learn more about this person, you and I. 15 minutes into this conversation already knew if we like each other, if we wanna work with each other, if we wanna just keep it professional and kinda end this uh, on the interview and never talk to each other again, or maybe we don't even agree with each other. Like we knew, right away we knew. and and, and, and and you know, three, four years later when I'm thinking about building a media company and I'm thinking, wow, you know, I really need a you know, somebody that can help me, for example, right, somebody that can, you know, help me, you know, uh, uh, establish a podcasting presence. I wonder if Ravi is around, like, I wonder what he's up to. Let me call, because I, I, my brain remembers, right? I, I, I instantly, I see your name on LinkedIn. Mm-hmm. I see your picture. I instantly have that reaction about you. Do I like you? Do I trust you? No, I'm not sure. Or no, not at all. And... And that's how it works. And so, you know, I, I, I don't know what else to say other than, you know, the biggest currency that you can develop with your community and your followers following right now is trust. Um, look at what happens with the um, um, the soccer league uh, uh, in Europe. I don't know if you're following the news, but, you know, there's been some, uh, some takeover. Uh, and, uh, you know, 15 elite clubs, Real, Arsenal, you know, uh, Chelsea, uh, Manchester City, they all decided to, you know, create their own league and you know to be honest and fair with you i was for that development i I like seeing more quality matches and so i you know i kind of but but the fans reacted in the in 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 the most profound ways they burned you know jerseys on the sticks and 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 painted stadiums with the you know graffiti uh 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 you know whatever uh 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 uh, cans because it was just these these clubs betrayed their trust um, they were in, they went in for money. They wanted more money. They didn't care about the fans. They didn't care about the league. They didn't care about the tradition. The moment you start pulling on shady shit like that, that's how you you, you lose trust real quick. Uh, And I I, I think you're gonna see, you know, more and more fans following smaller teams, like, you know, teams that, you know, maybe number five and number 10 in the league because they they didn't do that and they were consistent with their fans. And, you know, and and so, you know, they they, they didn't stab anybody in the back. I'm just giving you one of the examples, just a very recent thing that happened. And and, and so, but it's a really good example of how not to do uh, in the world of, you know, business. Uh, Backstabbing and all that's not gonna get you anywhere. you, you really need to preserve that trust because it's a very important uh, uh, commodity and, 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 and currency in this new world. Um, I would love to know your thoughts on that and it's okay if you completely disagree with me like I love having this conversation. I just want to know like what, what, do you, what, what do you think is really the uh, you know how, how do you decide who to work with who not to work with like how does that work for you? I'm just curious
1: No, uh, I think you covered it right well like for me I get I get cold uh, outrageous all the time. From uh, salespeople trying to sell me things, and uh, I like I barely respond. Usually, I tell them I'm, I'm not interested you know, one word or uh, one sentence replies, right? And, um, and leave it at that. But the one, the ones I, I generally work with, um, you know, I might not even need their services right now. But the ones who make it out of a point to create a relationship, you know, uh, there's a there's a great company that I love. It's called Peninsula. It's an HR um, um, outsourcing uh, firm, right? So. You can pay them a subscription amount, and they'll do all your HR paperwork, help you make sure you're all your you're up to HR like uh, human resource standards, all these kind of things. They do actually do a really valuable service for for high growth companies, especially people in the growth stage things. And their packages are amazing, um, and but one of the things I, I love about them is like I don't I, I never had the reason to use them yet because I haven't grown I haven't grown uh, grown my company to the size that needs it, but I will always 100% go there just because how the company is. Now, every uh, three months, a representative from uh, a principal will call me and just ask, hey, how's it going? What are you guys working on? You know, like, what are you You know? What's an update? And they generally want to listen and hear that. And they're like, you know, you know what we do? is like, you know, when you're ready, we're here for you. And it's just that, right? Like it just it, it's like a five minute, 10 minute call. Uh, generally, I'm, I'm uh, you know, I don't even get them. You don't get much, much random calls. I mean, all my calls are scheduled, but they call out of the blue and just say what's up, you know? And I think that is more than anything else. I mean, that really is the future uh, of, uh, of business, right? It's social commerce. It's, mm. it's um, social capitalism. People, people don't care, you know, people want to follow you. People don't just want to do business with you. They want to know who you are, right? There's this a great meme that has been going around. It's like on, on LinkedIn, there are more, fol- more people following Bill Gates than Microsoft. Uh, there's more people following uh, Jeff Bezos than uh, than Amazon, and the idea is that people, you know, people buy from people. They love the yeah. the story of, of of the people behind the, the 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 business entity, and it's part of the reason why they buy from it. Now why does uh, Elon Musk's companies, you know, trade for uh, 222 times uh, revenue on, on the uh, on the stock exchange, even though they sp- barely spend any money on marketing? It's because yeah. of the cult of Elon. Right. You know, the transparency and the, the, the way he communicates, he has such a loyal fan base that he has the, the advocates speak for him. They don't even, he doesn't need to. Right. So uh, I, I think we're moving more in this, in this realm, in this area, in this uh, reality of uh, living more in subjective truths. Uh, again, going backwards, like we're looking for idols. We're looking for hero worship. We're looking for people, for leaders, for leadership uh, and uh, those who can you stand out. And, you know, you don't necessarily need to be these sorts of truth. But in whatever industry, just be like, "Hey, this is what I do know. Uh, I'm willing to share it with you and use it to build relationships." Um, you know, Gary Vee has like a really, really good, uh, you know, you know, uh, series of talks about this. You know, and his 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 book, um, which is, um, "Jab, Jab, Jab, a, a Right Hook," mm-hmm. or "Left Hook," right, is like uh, is it, like a great thing. It's like a, it's basically saying, um, you know, give, 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 ask, right. So using content, especially. You can you know you know uh, give people away your secrets things that you've learned things that have taken you like you know uh, days months of, of your time to learn and you just give it away you know uh, people who uh who actually are looking for it love that so much right because you save saved them so much time um you know me for instance i remember uh I, I it took me like my first time raising money it took me like seven months to seal a deal not just uh not just because of paperwork but for me to understand what was happening it took me that I, I made sure to take the time to understand each key point, all these kind of things. And then what I started doing is later on as an entrepreneur residence is like that all those learnings I would summarize and give to people just for free. And the reaction I would get is just like, is uh, you know, most people don't, doesn't care. Other people don't understand the value of it. But there were very few people like you know, I had that question. I, 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 I didn't even know how to frame that question properly. You saved me so much time of thinking about, uh, about what I didn't even know. So like, this aspect of like, how do you use knowledge? Right? I think we're moving to an area realm, uh, uh, the economy is moving from uh, information workers, uh, to knowledge workers, because of the fourth industrial revolution. So just like between the second and third industrial revolution of mass production, and, uh, and, and industrialization, uh, going out, creating a wave of white collar workers, you know, lifting people from labor, uh, labor based jobs, into uh, information-based jobs, you know, uh, using machines as, as as throughput, being informational layers. Now we're moving into uh, through, because of the fourth industrial revolution, because of AI and and the intelligence revolution, um, the machine revolution, we're becoming knowledge workers, uh, people who are using deep knowledge understanding to cr- to create scalable systems. Um, so whether that be a product uh, or a startup, um, or, or just a service, um, or a free or, or like a freelancer. Um, there's different realms that you can operate in, but you, you're, you're generally operating around realms of deep knowledge in a certain industry uh, and trying to find uh, you know, ways intersected uh, with other industries, uh, share those skills. So knowledge workers become more and more things. Knowledge is going to become more of a commodity. So by yes. sharing knowledge, you can gain transparency, trust and transparency on what you do. And people respect you for it. And, uh, you know, you gain, gain appreciation. And slowly as like the people find uh, you build a tribe around you of uh of advocates who can advocate for you, you know, you can b- develop an ecosystem of those you trust around you. You know, so I, I, I believe the future is becoming more social. And uh, and the way we fix capitalism is turn it from like, the profit, you know, profit focused entity that it is into more social capitalism, which is focused uh, on the impacts just as importantly as the profits are. Because uh, underneath it all is creating relationships and measuring the relationships uh because the products service the companies might try might, might might turn out and change and morph because we're in an ever changing faster changing world what you deliver might change but uh the, the audience and uh the people you work with uh they they know what you're what the problems you're trying to solve are right and they'll stick with
0: I, you i couldn't agree more i couldn't agree more and you know even back to the point of you know we need a hero we need an idol you know i've been i've been sort of co- contemplating the idea of You know the 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 having 50 to 100 people that are not necessarily influencers but they're sort of like micro micro influencers i'm talking about people that have 500 followers in their network but because their network is so tight those 500 people religiously follow that person's advice right so we kind of go we, we we went from you know having one person dictating like you said back to that media example of you know two, three white people telling everybody what the news should be uh in america or you know in the world uh versus now there's so many ver- versions of truth and it's really hard to say okay do i trust them Do I trust-? everybody's got biases right that's why you kind of default back to somebody that you're comfortable with you're familiar with um i've been sort of like reconciling how i consume you know offers um, news recommendations and I realize back to your point it's exactly through people that I absolutely trust and I follow and you know I, I know I know them I've been with them for so long that you know what they say makes so much sense um, I get back you know back to your point I get hundreds of messages on LinkedIn you know buy my stuff you know check out my website and, but you know people that are in my network like people that I'm close with I will buy it from them this is crazy really this is crazy because I actually offer this several times this month I I would buy something from somebody I don't even know if they're the best I don't know if they're ready I will just give them my business because I want to support them because I trust they can they can they they will not sleep at night. trying to figure out to, mm-hmm. how to make it work that's it right like the hr softwares of the world that you you mentioned or you know for me it could be you know uh, a, a legal services or bookkeeping or you know anything for that matter if there's a person in my network that says hey vadim i started this out you know can you help me can you give me some feedback i'll be like great by the way i'll be your first client just because like i just i just want that i just want them that for them but i also i also know that they'll they'll have my best interests in mind when they're building this out and so maybe this is like one of the you know last points i know we're running you know short on time for minutes to go um but you know one this really is where the world i feel like is going if you're building a business right now um i don't think that you can just get away with you know pr- you know pumping out content or you know paying um, for ads or even paying you know these large influencers because we're already primed to see ads we're already primed to read that content and at the bottom it says you know buy my stuff uh we're already primed to expect a mm-hmm. person with you know 1 billion or whatever followers on instagram to always have product placements in their in their posts we're primed for that but where the, the future is going where the next opportunity really is in my faith in, in my opinion is people with 500 followers that truly believe in your product and they'll do a shout out and those 500 people will trust them and then people that trust them will trust them and now you're building on top of micro influencers quote unquote people in your network your second degree connections it is really powerful linkedin has been such a great place for me to build my own business Uh, i'm sympathetic of people that are building b2c but i'm very familiar with you know uh, founders in my network that said and and this is a quote from a real person she said She, you know, the person did uh, uh, legal tech before and then she launched a jewelry business. How different is that, right? Uh, You're thinking people that, you know, bought legal services will not necessarily buy jewelry, but she said they did. And the reason they did was because they trusted me. And then when she recommended somebody else's services to her network, um, they bought because of the credibility that that person has. So, you know, to kind of wrap it up, I guess, and, and I don't know if you have any more questions, but, you know, really, it's really about the people around you. It's about building trust and relationships, strong relationships with people. I'm a big fan of 100, 100 core fans. I know there's been a, in the startup world there is something called a thousand true fans or hundred true true fans. I don't know if you're. Familiar with that, but it's when you're launching your product, the first thing you want to mm. do is don't go broad, but go really deep and try to acquire 100 people that are absolutely in love with your product, and then let them champion it and become uh, 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 mm-hmm. uh, promoters and uh, you know uh, champions of your service. I have 100% subscribed to that. If you're launching a business today. Don't worry about hundreds of millions. Of Don't worry about being everywhere. Don't worry about, you know, uh, 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 appeal to everyone. Appeal to to 100 people really, really well. And then they will take your product further.
1: Vadim, I love that. You know, that's a great milestone, it's a great figure to uh, put into that. But the center behind it is absolutely true. You know, you find uh, the loyal diehard fans who love this product, who can uh, see it through to like the maturity where you know it goes from infancy to like you know uh, you know have all these holes into it to as it gets better and better, you know having those advocates is, is everything, um, and uh, you know that I think that's what the future of business is, is is building advocacy and uh, developing a loyal fan base. It's going to be more community based, and uh, you know speaking of that, I mean uh, this this conversation itself you know it's been it's been a, it's been spectacular because. Uh, generally we focus more on a, on a company and the build of it but but Dean with you uh, you know we we we, mo- we moved into this uh, talk about the the values based economy that's kind of a very philosophical and uh, how we're how we're motivated to that, that yeah so I really appreciated this I really enjoyed this conversation thank you for coming on thank you for your time
0: I love it Anytime. And and if you're looking for more people for your podcast I, I got you know some network of founders working on some really cool exciting ideas and I'll be happy to uh, to share what you know, what what you're doing over here with the uh, uh, with the BX uh, Disruptors podcast, and and, and see if uh, if you want to have them on.
1: Yeah, absolutely, Vadim. This has been this has been an absolute pleasure. Uh, stick around for a few minutes. Let's do a quick debrief. Uh, but for everyone who tuned in, uh, this has been Vadim. Um, look him up. Uh, where where can people find you, Vadim?
0: Yeah, just go on LinkedIn, type in Vadim Litich, or you can find me. uh, uh, I'm building a company called CoSquare, so C-O-S-Q-U-A-R-E dot C-O. That's what I'm doing during the day, but you can always connect with me on LinkedIn or reach out at Vadim at CoSquare dot C-O, and I'll be sure to answer.